0: Yeah, I can't wait to, to also get into the fact that I'm like one of your unofficial cover models. So
1: absolutely, <laughs> I mean, I you have to use when you're an entrepreneur pretty much everything that you have, and if you have handsome friends, you gotta Aww. exploit the hell out of them. You know?
0: Oh, you're too sweet. That's why you have to you do this on video me, yeah, now. And you're
1: out there just, uh, yeah. I think you're still on some Facebook ads. You know, actually. You're, for the bowling one, you're still on the cover of the website somewhere. Yeah? Oh, dope. You
0: know? Nice. Add
1: uh, add bowling model to your uh, vast resume.
0: Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space, Podstream Studios' Times Square. These conversations have been recorded with a live audience on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and we've brought you the best moments from our conversation discussing the various struggles that founders have had to face. If you'd like to be part of the live conversations where we allow the audience to participate, please follow me on Instagram at ChrisColbertReport. In this conversation, I'm talking to Chris Mitchell, He's one of my very good friends who also happens to be the CEO and founder of what I like to call the Better Off franchise, which includes companies like Better Off Bowling, Better Off Brunching, and Better Off Social. We first met while playing kickball and football against each other out in Brooklyn. And at that time, I had no idea he was running an extremely successful social community events business. So as we catch up, we talk about the meaning of community, the difficulties of dating and maintaining relationships as a busy entrepreneur, and the resources that have helped him along the way.
1: Yeah, it was a weird journey, kind of a journey. And this is, I think, how a lot of entrepreneurs, or at least how I've evolved, um, is through a series of crises where you're doing something and at some point you just realize this isn't it. And so... All my life, I've been really passionate about biotech. I think the idea of hacking the human genome is fascinating, scary. Yeah, I was saying. The- <laughs> right? But like, there's so much potential in that. And so when I went to school, that was what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be really involved in biotech. I really wanted to be a part of that wave, that revolution. Um, like many things, it was one of the things that, in theory, was amazing. But in practice, a lot of the time you're basically a chef with toxic ingredients <laughs> and you, know, you smell like yeast a lot of the time. So I was doing biology in school. I tacked on an econ degree and then I did biotech uh, management consulting. And the reason was, is I still I thought, okay, maybe I don't want to be a PhD, but I want to get into biology. Uh, I want to get into biotech and be a part of that. And it was great. I got to work with smart people, got to travel over all over the world, sometimes in Paris, sometimes in Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know there's, there was glamorous and very much unglamorous uh, aspects of that life, but at some point I felt I just started to hit a plateau. and you know, I played football, I played a few different sports, and on a whim, I randomly decided to join this kickball league and I assumed, okay. And where were you? This was in Boston. Okay. This was in Boston still. So took a chance. I was like, all right, maybe, you know, there'll be a few cool people there. I don't know. But I love just taking chances on things. If it doesn't work, cut it. If it's great, double down. The first person I met, I think, used to play safety for the Colts. The second guy I met there was a defense consultant in that he goes to places like Chechnya, Bosnia, Somalia, um, buys people from the prisons on the promise that they can't return to their home country and trains them as mercenaries. Oh my gosh. I was like, I make PowerPoint slides. You know? <laughs> but these, but it was an example of these just great people and the absolute nicest guy in the world. Um, and I met this incredible community of people. And I ended up becoming becoming president of this league and it was 600 people. But the thing is, is with kickball, you know, 22, 23 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, during in Boston, not a lot of kickball when it's 18 degrees out. So I wanted to keep the fun going. And what I realized in school and um, later was that community is so important. Um, in school, you know, I went to MIT. So it's a lot of brilliant people there. But I really learned I have to be proactive. Mm-hmm. about meeting interesting people. And I was always drawn to figure out ways to have an incredible community. And I learned a little bit about that in school. And then afterwards, kickball was great. Started this bowling league thinking, all right, this will just be a few of my friends. It was 60 people for this first
0: league. I love you said a oh, few of my friends, 60 people. Well,
1: you know, friends invite <laughs> friends, right? And... And and look, I'm not a good bowler. I don't even really like bowling that much, but it's one of those things that anyone Uh can do, right? This is not, it's not like football where people are super intense and aren't really talking to Different skill
0: levels where like, it can make a huge difference on your happiness if you're at a different skill level.
1: Exactly, right? So this was one of those things, and we set up rules so it was very non-competitive. And it was just a fun way to meet new people, hang out with some friends. And, you know, after bowling, everyone go to the bar and hang out. And it really created community. And people would, you know, meet friends to go rock climbing with, meet people to date, meet people to you know, just have someone to talk to outside of the social circle that came from college. And that was really important for me. And, you know, so 60 the first time then I did another time, it was about 120, then 200. And a lot of my friends were going to business school. Um, I was very much thinking about that. Mm-hmm. but I ended up just saying, huh, I'm going to just go with this a little bit um, because I think momentum's important. You know, sometimes li- life is so random. And sometimes you get thrown something that might be a bit of a blessing. You got to go with it and see where it takes you. And yeah. I ended up taking leave of absence from work and just working on this expanded to a few cities, a few more cities and eventually, we were in basically every major city
0: um, running these leagues. And you're you're in 37 cities now, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, then beyond that, like again, bowling's great, um, but not everyone wants to do bowling. And so, over the past few years, I really have been thinking about the next big step, where everyone should always be able to meet interesting fun, new people. Mm -hmm. Right. I think a lot of people come out of school and there's a lot of friction to meeting new people. It's difficult. You know, maybe you hang out with coworkers, maybe you go on online dating. Um, but that social circle starts to shrink. Yeah. And at some point, I think some people settle and they're going to, you know, they settle for friends, they settle for relationships, for experiences. So they're going to the same bar, the same people telling the same stories every weekend. And so that's really what I want to change. I want everyone to always be able to meet their people and then do fun, exciting things with them. And so that's why we're building this.
0: That's amazing. And I've met, you know, I've met friends at your events, whether it be, you know, better off bowling or better off brunching. I've met friends. I've met lovers. Yeah. I've met, you know, people that I now am doing business with. Like, I think exactly what you just said has been accomplished with what you're doing. And I even think back to like when I first got to New York, I'm originally from Baltimore. And when I got to New York, I didn't have any friends that lived in New York. Even though I went to school in North Jersey, all my, you know, people I went to school with stayed in Jersey. And I was thinking about this the other day. Almost every single one of my friends here in New York is because I played a sport with them, or I went to work with them, or I met them at a bar. It's one of those three. I don't think I have any other friends outside of like a friend, you know, introducing me to a friend, but like these kind of events that you all are putting on are just the way that we naturally meet people. So why not make a schedule to actually do them intentionally to try to meet people? So yeah, I, I really love like that concept of, behind this. And Something I learned too uh, from you is like this concept of community that ties back to Japan. Can you explain like what community means to you and and how that ties to this Japanese uh, idea?
1: Sure. I mean, I I think a lot of cultures, I think we've gotten worse at community. And I think that's a natural, kind of a natural cost of the way our economy, the way our lives, our social lives have evolved where back in the day, people would grow up in a neighborhood, they know everyone in that neighborhood, their best friends were in that neighborhood, no one left. And it's really easy to preserve that community. Um, I think what you might be talking about, and I'm so worried that I'm going to butcher this. Um, (laughs) I'm not a Japan guy at all. Um, But, you know, it's, it's also a concept of uh, entrepreneurship, and, and just kind of a life's purpose, where it's called ikigai. And this is the idea that you should do something that you love that you're good at, uh, that you can get paid for and that the world needs. Mm -hmm. And it's tough to find that it is. And I didn't have that when I was consulting, I didn't have that for a lot of my life, but you know, I feel I have it right now. And that's, that's such a lucky thing that, For me, when people are like, oh, why are you working so hard? Why are you pushing this so much? And I believe in work-life balance. Trust me, I do. And earlier, earlier, Chris, five years ago, Chris had a great life balance. He's, you know, motorcycling through Alaska, having a great time, (laughs) doing fun things. But now, when you have an opportunity, you need to jump on it because that window won't always be open. Um, So that's, I think, the Japanese thing that you might have been referencing. It was. But just in terms of community, I think a lot of cultures do community really well. Um I'm not personally religious, but I've always really liked the idea of the way how church builds community. And you'll see it where take the religious aspect of it aside, right? Just even ignoring that, you're seeing the same people every week on a repeat basis And you get to know them kind of like high school or college. And you, and these are people in your community where you can say, Hey, this person is awesome. I want to go, you know, on a bike ride with them. This person, you know, I want to date them similar to what I was talking about before. You know, this person's weird. People have reputations. People aren't anonymous and you really get to form this community that is important. I think everyone needs a community. I think the things that make people happy are a fulfilling job, a good relationship with their partner, and then a great community where you're always meeting interesting, fun, new people because that's how you grow, right? Is people yep. who push you, you know, having people like you in my life shows gives me new perspectives, has, allows me to find new experiences, um, and it challenges you from just sitting. On your currently held worldview and not trying to expand it
0: well, especially and it, it kind of relates to what you're saying about like that that kickball experience that you had, I think when you learn from people who do things that are different from you, so you're not just interacting with people who, in my case, just other people in the media space, you know, you can get very myopic in your thinking if you're only gravitating to people in your industry. But when you get to learn from people in different industries, that's when you can get really creative with what you're doing or just get better perspective on the world. And I think, you know, that's what makes us better as entrepreneurs is having that that broad perspective based a lot on the people that we keep in our circle or the new people that we bring into our circle.
1: Absolutely. You know, there's... Uh... It's funny. I, uh, I used to drink in college. I remember drinking PBRs in the basement with this guy drew while his cover band played. Uh, I think it was called angry flannel. And his favorite quote was you're the average of your five closest friends. Um, and I think he's right to a certain extent, right? You are the people you surround yourself with. And so you should always, but my five closest friends, I would say, you know, they're in different cities. And so you should always be able to find, these people, find your people to help push you, you know, to help. By the way, that guy ended up starting Dropbox and is a billionaire. Oh, get the heck out. Wow. He He, he did well for himself. Um, sharp guy, but networks are important. And, you know, I know some of your other podcasts deal a little bit with, you know, social justice and equity and, you know, I didn't go to business school. Um, I have a decent amount of, a decent network, but not a great one, I would say, business-wise as I've evolved this. I certainly would have loved to have more startup background in
0: (laughs) uh, my past. I know, we all have that that hindsight, like, oh, I wish I would have had this before I jumped I wish I would have went to marketing school.
1: Right, you know? And being able to find these networks without having to pay a zillion dollars to go to business school, um, I think is important. You know, I don't like the word networking, personally. Just because it... Feels like this forced thing where people are trying to hand me business cards yep. or something like that. Um, I like to just call it meeting interesting new people. Um, but those relationships are important, you know. I always try and help out my friends; they try and help out me. And if you're sitting out there watching Netflix every weekend or not or hanging out with the same insular crowd that isn't allowing you to realize maybe more ambitious goals, Mm -hmm. I think you might be losing out a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, and to back up a little bit, in the creation of, you know, I guess starting off with Better Off Bowling, Mm -hmm. when was it that you felt like, all right, this is too much for me to handle? Like, was there kind of a a precipice moment for you to realize, all right, I need to bring people in to either maintain what I'm doing or to take it to the next level?
1: Yeah. I'd say one of my big pieces of advice to young entrepreneurs, people who are just starting out is don't be afraid to take that chance and hire a few people. Don't, you know, don't overextend yourself. You don't want to be someone who spends all their capital before they can get any new capital in. And you know that's, that's how business goes broke. But yeah, there was just a point where at some point I was handling so many of the operations and support. And also I care a lot about my company. I'm a yep. pretty passionate guy, and so if I see some mean email and support or something, I take it really personally, <laughs> and it's really not good for me to be reading those emails. So, you know, at some point, um I hired someone, and man, it was the best thing that I did just to respond to these support emails, run some of the logistics on the back end. And it allowed me to take a step back and really focus on strategizing and growing the company instead of managing all of the minutiae. Because there's a menu changing cost, right? If you're doing all of these tiny little chores in Mm -hmm. between, it prevents you from getting in that headspace where you can say, all right, this is a really difficult problem. I'm going to concentrate on it, figure out how to solve it. And you know that you'll will be say a big expansion or an update to your website or app or something like that. So, yeah, I would say the crisis was I was just getting more and more overloaded. I wasn't I was worried of course hiring someone you have to pay them, right? Yep. And so I thought to myself, oh, well, will I be able to afford this person? But really it absolutely paid for itself because it allowed me to
0: expand and work on all these much more impactful initiatives. Was it hard to, uh, like you say, like you, you know, you very, uh, you're very passionate about what you do. You're very passionate about your companies. Was it hard to kind of give up some of that control to de- to be able to delegate? Because I know that was really tough for me early on. Even when I was working for other companies, it was hard to delegate.
1: As you were asking that question, I absolutely knew you were talking about from personal experience. (laughs) Um, Just, you know, I could see it in the fellow entrepreneur's eyes. Absolutely. Oh, it's difficult not to micromanage the thing. You say, oh, maybe I could do this better. Maybe, Mm -hmm. and it's tough, but it's so important to really systematize things. For me, entrepreneurship is figuring out a solution, uh, solving it in a non-scalable way, then systematizing it, And setting it up so this will always just be handled by someone else by another system. So yeah, it was just training them to do it the way that I thought was the best way to do it. And then once I took a step back, and allowed that to go, it was great. It was the best thing that I could have done. And one of my great regrets is not hiring earlier.
0: Yeah. It's funny to a person, almost every entrepreneur I talk to says almost that exact same thing that one, the person they brought on pays for themselves, but I wish I would have done this so much sooner.
1: Yeah. And that's again, not to endure. You can go too far the other way, right? You don't want to be the fire Island guy who absolutely, you know, hires this $20 million team before he gets any investment or real investment. Um, So I don't want to say that's a black and white kind of simplified issue, but as an entrepreneur, yeah, you should be willing to dip your toe and take these chances. And look, it doesn't work. You can say, hey, this isn't a good fit or this wasn't the right timing and try again later. Um, But you shouldn't be afraid to take that initial shot because again,
0: opportunity windows close. Right as the pandemic before it started, I remember, yes, I was doing the cover model thing for you at the Better Off Bowling, uh-huh. you know, getting my, getting my. Uh, I don't even know what to say, sachet on, um, you know. I'll accept it. <laughs> um, But then you, I remember you talking about this new idea that you had, this Better Off Brunching, and I came to some of like those beta testing, I don't know necessarily what to call it, mm-hmm. but you know, the kind of these these entry events that you were doing just to kind of test some things out. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happened. Yeah. And I, was, I remember like hitting you up, like, are you okay? Like, yeah. your whole thing is about people coming together. And especially here in New York City, where we live, we were shut down. We were on complete lockdown. How did you, like, what the hell went through your mind the second that you know that New York shut down? It's like, what am I doing with my business?
1: It was wild. Um, I had a weird advantage in that I'd actually worked in bioterror. So I knew this hmm. world a little bit. But what was happening is... Yeah, we were getting ready to launch in the spring. Um, It was March. We had a brunch that was happening in about maybe five days, I remember. And then suddenly the NBA suspends their season. Every, Every morning we are meeting and saying, what is going on? Do we need to shut this down? Like, because what happens is is you're operating with imperfect information and it's tricky because you're so invested, right? You put so much work into setting up this event. You're very hesitant to to call it, right? Um, But that was exactly what we did is, so we we had to one, postpone this event that we were, or not postpone, cancel this event that we were gonna run, which was a huge bummer. But beyond that, yeah, I mean, we... Our business model is getting people together and creating community, IRL, in-person, making sure that you can always find your people and then do fun things with them. So yeah, well, what happened is we couldn't, we couldn't run those, right? We couldn't run brunches. We couldn't run these bowling leagues. So we had to pivot. And we were building all of this technology on the back end. We had a bunch of developers. We had this MIT team working on algorithms. And so we wanted to start testing that. And we also wanted to continue with our mission of bringing people together, giving them a way to be able to interact. So we pivoted this thing better off inside, where we would run things like 2,000-person team trivia events, (laughs) where people would log in through Zoom or Google Meet, and They'd either have their own trivia team or we put them with a trivia team. We figured out the tech of using YouTube um, or Facebook Live. And we would have our host. One of our guys, weirdly, is really into hosting trivia. So that made it
0: easy. Um, (laughs) I noticed how how much he he gets into it.
1: Gil loves it. Gil loves it. And uh, and then we would run these events. And it was fun because there was one guy... uh, People would write us and there was one... I think the mother lived in Texas somewhere. The guy was deployed in Alaska, but beyond the Dateline. So for her, it was Friday night. For him, it was Saturday morning. And they had family all across the country. But for them, this was a way that they got together once a week to really connect. And I think there were a number of teams or groups like that. And that's what we cared about. Like, look, it's trivia on the internet. You could easily cheat right? Oh, yeah. But, you know, it wasn't about winning some sort of prize. It was just about having some fun moment, even if it's an hour and a half once a week, where you can get together with your people, catch up on what's going on, and have this fun little competition
0: where you're part of a group. Yeah, you're you're giving people that connection that they're literally not able to have anymore.
1: Yeah. And then for brunch, you know, typically with entrepreneurship, the way it works is Everything goes wrong? Oh. Well, I had not, I planned for some of that. I didn't have pandemic on my uh, entrepreneur disaster uh, bingo card, but you know, surprise. Um, But yeah, what we ended up, normally what you do is you launch this, you do a trial, then you make sure there's a demand, make sure it's a product that people want. Then you build your MVP, this minimal viable product, see if it works and you iterate. For us, we weren't really able to do that with a pandemic, and we had a choice. We could either shut down, uh, fire a bunch of people, and or let go of a bunch of people, and just try and survive, or we could keep building during this pandemic, in the belief that this will allow us to create a really big um, kind of app, website, product. That when we are able to launch it, which is gonna be in about two weeks, um, it'll be so functional, so ahead of where we would have been normally, that it'll allow us to scale so fast. Yeah. And so we started running a bunch of brunches kind of outside, very socially distanced. Um, not ideal, but you know, you make lemonade. Mm-hmm. And so then since then, we've just kind of been building with our digital team, with our devs we've been fi- figuring out what works and what doesn't and now as the pandemic has receded we're really excited to launch stuff and to be clear brunch is great because it's one of these things that anyone can do yep. right like literally anyone can take an hour and a half on a saturday afternoon to go have brunch at a table we do a little tr- a little team trivia at the brunches um, but even kind of beyond that um, That's just the entry to this ecosystem. So for us, the way it might work is, let's say you're super outdoorsy entrepreneur guy.
0: Um, How do you know me? (laughs)
1: um, We might say, okay, um, sign up. We put you with a bunch of people, similar age, similar interests, similar passions, similar life stage. And then we might say, all right, Here's a really fun event for you guys, maybe a whitewater rafting trip, or you know, maybe some big entrepreneur is going to be at the speaker event. You know, you can all attend this lecture. And really allow people to not just meet people, because you meet someone once. (laughs) Great, right? You might have a really good connection with someone once, but that doesn't create this deep connection because you need to see someone on a repeat basis. So for us, the brunch is that easy, low commitment. Uh, entry into the ecosystem. And then we run some events ourselves, say like ski trips or beach trips or hikes. And then other events, we partner with third-party vendors, similar to how say Amazon has say a third-party vendor. And we connect these groups of people with the events that they'd enjoy the most. So you're not just going to brunch and meeting people, but then you're kind of cementing that friendship with those people on all these different types of experiences.
0: And you were mentioning before, especially around COVID, having to make this decision of, do I let these people go because, you know, there's no lifeline for this? Or do I essentially kind of double down and just say, hey, we're doing this and I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. What is some of that anxiousness around not only just your own lifestyle, but also you now are, are, you know, kind of responsible for these other individuals and their lifestyle. Like, is there an anxiousness that came with that? And like, how do you manage that?
1: Anxiousness, yeah, responsibility. You know, I mean, look, I'm I don't have a family, it's, I don't I don't have kids, but I would imagine it's similar to that, right? You're probably not always anxious about your kids and providing for them, but it weighs heavily on your mind. And so, yeah, I mean, it's about taking care of your people. I think that's what communities and I think that's what for me running a company, it's not everyone may believe, you know, may espouse those same beliefs, but yeah, you know, these are people who we work really hard with. So as I'm weighing that, if I need, sometimes you have to make a hard choice. I've had to fire people before. Um, I'd have, I've had to let people go. It's never pleasant. No, no. Um, but, you know, sometimes you need to save the ship. Um, I was lucky in that we had not launched and scaled yet. If we were maybe six months down the road. It would have been really problematic. Um, so it was funny. This is how I described it to uh, our employees. I was like, so there was this world where, you know the dinosaurs used to rule the world, and then this meteor hit, right There was this huge disaster. Who survived? The rats. We will be the rat, right? (laughs) We will go into our hole. We will survive this disaster. And then we will come out and become, you know, the rulers of uh, this kind of world. I you just told your
0: employees, like, you're all a bunch of rats. Yeah, I mean, me I'm I'm the rat king. I'm the rat
1: king, you know? But sometimes that's what you need to do. You just need to kind of go into this work hibernation. I mean, I'll tell you, um, for me, the pandemic, you're not really able to see people anyways. I went to just absolutely i the tiger rocky montage let's get this work done let's build this let's do everything we can possibly do um you know didn't really date didn't really see friends it was just kind of hey we need to keep this ship upright yeah. and luckily we're we're still standing um you know we were you know we were going after say like funding from the government you know and i'm calling these guys once a week, um, because that's how you have to do it, yep. right? Um, you look for. I think we went after some Facebook grants. Um, you know, I did too. right. I mean, I think a lot of times you can't beggars can't be choosers, and sometimes you know, entrepreneurs. Some entrepreneurs have different advantages, right? Some have an incredible network. Some have. Some are rich. Some have rich family members. I will never ever. Um, just kind of bring those people down for using the advantages that they have because it is tough to start a successful business. And yeah, I would love to have a great business network. I would love to have you know some rich, trust fund family member out there saying, hey, I've got you, you're fine. Um, but use what you have. And for me, um, I was lucky that I had kind of the better off bowling reserves to kind of buoy our initiatives with this other company and building out, um, our website on our app and all of our algorithms. But Mm -hmm. if we didn't, it might've been a different story. You know, um, a lot of, a decent amount is, there's a lot of work in entrepreneurship, but there's also a decent amount of luck and making the best of the luck that you're given.
0: Yeah. And you touched on earlier, too, it's taking advantage of the opportunities when they're there. And like you said, those doors, those windows of opportunity don't stay open forever. And you have to know which ones to jump in on. And, you know, sometimes you have to know which, you know, what times to take a step back and say, I'm just not ready for that opportunity for whatever reason, whether it be resources or, or whatever it might be. But you also mentioned a few times now, too, of just like how deeply you've gone into like this silo of work, especially when COVID started. I definitely did the same thing. It was like this excuse that I don't have all these other obligations, so I can just go, you know, super uh, 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 workaholic mode, yeah. which I kind of already was. Yeah, But like I had been doing so much good work to like give myself some more balance. And COVID kind of flipped that for me again, where I was a little bit too much into it. And even as things have opened back up, I'm kind of still in that mode a lot of times. And I think I always do it with this idea of, okay, this light at the end of the tunnel, when I get there, then I can pull back a little bit. But I feel like a lot of times that light just keeps getting further, not further away, but you never get closer. It's like that nightmare where you're running down a hallway, but you never get to the end of it. How do you like manage You know, trying to figure out, okay... When do I make these sacrifices in life? And when do I pull back and make sure I'm also enjoying life? Which may be a little bit of a conundrum for you because you literally are helping other people have that life balance, <laughs> yet you're probably not having that balance yourself.
1: I'm lucky to work on something that I absolutely love and I'm incredibly passionate about. And so that makes it easier, right? Where you can see, even with just the bowling stuff, you know, people will say, oh, i met my husband, You know, I moved to Denver not knowing anyone and I joined and I ended up, meeting my husband we got married you know 2 months ago blah 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 right that feels amazing yeah um so those are the kind of wins that help help push you and some of it it's just when i when i started this um some of it was just a lifestyle business i remember when i first started this we didn't even operate in the summers and so i would just have the summer off you know i learned how to ride a motorcycle or i backpacked around europe and you know, I remember one time I was in a cave in Iceland uh, on my uh, laptop, trying to you know figure out some important business email uh, <laughs> with my SIM card and everything like that. But and so I was lucky in that my life hasn't always been super intense with work. But there was a point when that switch flipped, and I think for me, deciding where the light of, at the end of the tunnel is is you know just i'm a big list guy we use this thing called evernote um we all at the beginning of every day we have this thing called a stand up where we all get in a room together and we say oh this is what i'm working on today and at the end of the day we say oh this is what we accomplished and we have um um monday morning meeting and an end of week where we kind of do the same on a weekly basis and we just We'll occasionally do these strategic plans where we set this calendar that we say we will keep to, which we absolutely do not, but at least gives us some foundation for, okay, this is when we're going to launch it. This is when we're going to push because yes, the temptation is to have something perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm a perfectionist. I, I constantly tell myself, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Um, but What's really imperfect is never launching something, is never putting something out there. So I'm lucky to have a great team. Um, and we just sit down, we create this schedule, and then we try and keep it as best as we can. And if everything isn't ready, we prioritize. And then at some point, you just have to say go. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm. There's so many things that I still would love to be ready for all these things that we're launching, but also a big thing is iterating, right? You have to be agile. You can't build the entire package before getting feedback. And that's (laughs) one of the reasons we've been running these events. But, you know, I was listening to uh, one of your earlier podcasts. I think it was some sugar body wash.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Yep. Amir Ahmed.
1: Yeah. And she was talking about how she sent this, package to a celebrity. Yep. And she was just obsessing about how the packaging just wasn't right. And then she sent it and got an organic share from the celebrity and it ended up being a huge deal for her. I think sometimes you just got to launch. There's this thing called, uh, Y Combinator, which if you are an entrepreneur, it's a fantastic resource. Um, this startup school thing, um, they're really good at just kind of giving you insights on that on those kinds of resources one of their big things is just launch Hmm. build something that people like that people want and just launch and so we had pretty much figured out that this was something people wanted and now it's just launch and we had to put that on hold for the pandemic but i would say if you're an entrepreneur trying to get something ready set up a schedule um, and then try and keep it and don't be afraid of launching something. If it's not ready, just get up and do it. And for me too, I would say one of the biggest challenges for me actually during the pandemic mm-hmm. was working from home.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: some people are great at it. Some people, I love it. it. Um, I, I love being able to, you know, do my laundry during lunch. Uh, it's convenient, but for me, there's something where a switch flips when, I, you know, hop on my bike and I ride to the office and I see everyone. It energizes me, prevents me from getting into old habits, say like, you know, I don't know, you know, checking the score on a sports game or whatever, right? Um, It just keeps me focused a little bit more. So it's weird. I'm kind of a crazy, I'll go, I go into the office on weekends. I don't even work from my home and I can, right? I just feel me taking off the sweatpants, putting on the jeans or whatever, hopping on the bike, being in the office or being no distractions or being other people working. It gives me that energy.
0: Well, I think that also is a good point in terms of if you're an entrepreneur and you have multiple staff members to also realize that, because that was something that we ran into where I very much love working from home because in my earlier career, I had radio stations in New York and LA and DC. I'm used to not being in the same place as my team members. So I've always kind of been working remotely or working from home. And I love it and then I just assumed that everybody else would love this too. And I, I think early on in the pandemic, I found out that one of the people on our team just, they really couldn't operate that way. They were really going through a tough time mentally, just, you know, being kind of stuck in this place by themselves. Um, and to your point too, they just didn't have the energy that they needed to be as uh, productive, uh, and it's not that they're trying to not be productive. It's just, you know, there's a certain energy that they needed by being around people. So even from your own you know, experience there, I think it's good for us to note that when we're talking about our own teams and understanding that we're not all the same. And yeah. so you might have to give some people some extra support um, to help them through some of those times.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, We were able to use tools like Slack and stuff like that to just really stay in touch. But for me, there's almost something nice about... I'll be sitting here thinking about something that will be like, Maybe I'll talk a little shit about the 49ers to Gil, who's a Pittsburgh Steelers. fan. <laughs> and that three-minute interaction just energizes me and gets me, gives me the laugh and break that I need to switch over to this other thing. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I like about living in person or working in person. But yeah, not everyone needs that. And you know, we work with some of our developers completely remote. Um, in fact, our uh our Polish lead developer is coming out on Friday to stay with me for two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. You know, I've never met this guy in person um, because our dev team is based in Poland. But, you know, we've made it work. And and that's another thing that I think is really important for entrepreneurs is just getting your hands dirty, right? Sometimes people want to do this. I remember, first sales guy hired, he would call people up and he would say, hello, is Mr. Colbert there? And I say, no, you are this guy's best friend. You are saying, hey, is Chris there? You, the goal is not to be formal, right? Mm-hmm. The goal is to, be, is to get the job done. And so for me, like with our devs, with, our, with the people who work for me, I want to interact with them. I want to have, I want to be able to sit down with them and say, hey, let's fix this problem right now. Um, I remember, oh man, this was a crisis. Um, so we, we hired this web developer, um, to redo our website, uh, maybe like five years ago Mm -hmm. and he was just going through some things and he was in New York and they moved to Boston. And as we're trying to finish this thing, he is basically having a mental breakdown and is saying, Hey, I can't do this anymore. And this is everything we have invested. Tons of money, tons of time, tons of effort, and I am just trying to figure out. So, what I ended up doing is I took a bus to Boston. I slept on this guy's floor for about a week, where there was nothing there except his two cats, and I think I smelled really like <laughs> cat litter and cat poop. Um, but just getting this through, and that's that's what I think entrepreneurship is: is just making sure it gets done isn't always pretty yeah. isn't always some kind of
0: polished story it can be you just saying what do we need to do to make this work yep now you know me during the pandemic to finish up say their name i drove you know around the country yeah. so you just you got to do what you got to do um i really want to ask you this question cuz you're the most you're the person i feel most comfortable asking this of <laughs> okay. uh so we're going to see where this goes okay uh but i've noticed that being an entrepreneur especially in like romantic relationships mm-hmm. it can be really tough um, I'm a single guy. You know, you're a single guy. Like, it can be really tough to make new relationships in the beginning. It can be really easy because, like, they see this person like striving for great things and like really about their their stuff. But like over time, it's like, well, hold up, you're working too hard on that. You're not paying enough attention to me, and it, that's warranted. Yeah, but also like. How do you manage like trying to have personal romantic relationships or even just you know personal friendships yeah. where the, the people that you're with don't feel like they're less than they're not, you know, they're not getting your attention because you have so much invested in th- these companies.
1: Yeah, I might be both the right and wrong guy to ask this question. <laughs> so I've certainly experienced this. I would say
0: I mean, to be completely honest,
1: I would say almost all of my relationships have had that as the major point of conflict. Same. And I get it. I love passionate people as friends, uh, romantically. I love it when someone's eyes light up talking about something. It doesn't even have to be what I'm interested in. I just love that passion. I love it when people care about something. And I think sometimes, you know, people I date, they'll love that about me initially, right? Like that's, uh, a sexy quality, someone who wants to change the world, but, um, it's less sexy when, they're saying, Hey, you know, me and all our friends are going out. Like, like, can you come by? And it's Wednesday night and I'm in the office until 1030. And I'm not trying to romanticize that, but it's one of those things that like, sometimes you just have to put the work in. And for me, it's difficult because this is, this is kind of, I feel the standard thing that happens with me is I'll be, I'll kind of slowly get into this relationship. And slowly that's taking a lot more time because I care about the person, right? Um, And I want to spend time with them. But I also have this whole other life, this business life and responsibilities and people that I need to take care of. If this thing goes down, it's not just me. It's everyone who's on the ship with me. And it really stresses me out. It becomes this thing that I... I sort of feel myself being stretched (laughs) and the anxiety starts to build in me a little bit where, you know, I'm saying spend time with this person and then back to work, spend time with this person. How do you manage that? I try and set expectations. I am, I guess not very good at it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I most of the time I usually say, like, hey, I'm not even sure I can be in a relationship right now. Like I try and say that's good right at the outright. That's Um, good. But I'm also weak. And (laughs) you know, I kind of fall into that. Um and then it just a lot of times will become a point of conflict. I try and I try and make time. Um this point in my like, I was I was involved with someone like reasonably recently and you know, great girl, a lot of fun. Um, she's going out every other night with her friends. Um, and I don't think she's angry that I can't make it, but I think at some point it starts to become, you know, like, does this person care about me? Um, and it's not her fault. It's not my fault. It's just one of those things that sometimes the timing or the fit just isn't right. Um, I joke with my friends sometimes that I need a long distance girlfriend, you know? like, <laughs> like maybe someone in like med school or something, yeah. has zero time for me, but it's tricky. And I think all you can do is try and be honest, set expectations, um, maybe find someone who has a similar schedule to you. But the, of course, irony of that is how are you going to meet that person? Yeah. Right? yep, Who's super busy as well. Um, and then for personal relationships, I'm not a huge fan of social media all the time, but I'm also not someone who just uniformly slams social media. I I enjoy using, say, you know, Instagram stories to see what my friends are up to. Um, you know, if they have some sweet vacation photos, I'm going to stalk those. <laughs> um, I I would say something too is just like be really good about reaching out to people, like. If I do something fun, I try and reach out to my friends and invite them. You do. Um, And if people invite me, one thing that I've noticed other people doing that I try and do is say, hey, I can't make it, but I am super into it. Invite me next time. Because for me, a lot of times, if I invite someone a bunch of times and they say, they're like, "Ah, I'm not around, I'll kind of like pull back a little bit so I'm not annoying them. Yeah. But if... I have some friends who I'll invite, and they'll say, "Please keep inviting me. I can't make it, but I really want to go one of these days." That is a good way to keep people in your life. Um, I was reading something a while back. There's something called the Dunbar the Dunbar number, okay. and this is the amount of people that you can really have in your life in your social circle, kind of like your tribe. Mm-hmm. The number is 150 for humans. For primates, oh you know, wow. it, it varies, it's actually a lot. Right? So it's kind of like a small village, right? So, like, let's say back in kind of ancient times, um, you would have this village, but once it would get to a certain point, maybe the tribe would split or whatnot, right? And yeah, I'm not saying all of those people need to be your best friends, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe including associates, business people, close friends, all of that. Once you get beyond 150, it's tough to not have people drop out. Yeah. Um and so for me I just try and find really good people and when I find them I just try and keep them in my network and I am annoying them with things like photo shoots and brunches <laughs> and you
0: know
1: that, stuff like that. Well, that's
0: how you helped me work on my portfolio yeah, so you right? know.
1: Yeah, well, that's how you became the successful bowling and brunch model that you are today.
0: Exactly. That's all I got going for me <laughs> so, myself model wise, but no, I think I think one really smart thing that you said though was the honesty piece. And i take it one step further say being honest with yourself and then this is coming yeah. from my own personal experience of not being honest with myself. So I'm telling my partners, Hey, just give me a few more months. Like it's, I'm going to not be working so hard in a few more months, four years go by and I'm still working as hard. And so I wasn't being honest with myself. And so I wasn't able to be honest with partners or friends or what have you. So first starts being honest with yourself.
1: That light at the end of the tunnel, right? That kind of like Gatsby-esque thing, right? Where you're like always kind of reaching and never quite getting there. Yeah. It's easy to constantly say, Hey, all right, I know it's tough now, but give me three months, give me six months. I mean, I've absolutely told myself that plenty of times um, and I, again, it's not to glamorize hard work, but sometimes um you know, there's this quote I love where it's like, if you don't sacrifice for what you love, what you love becomes what's sacrificed, and there's just windows in time where. If you don't put everything you have into something, you could lose it. And I don't want to be 80 years old thinking, hey, what if I had put 100% in? That scares me. Those kinds of regrets are the things that scare me. Um, You know, I feel feel that way with people. You know, if I meet someone who I really connect with, um, I'll pursue it. And if I am lucky enough to find kind of a mission that is really important to me, I'll do everything that I can to make sure I don't waste the opportunity I'm so lucky to have. Yeah.
0: Man, this has been an incredible conversation. I knew it was gonna be a good conversation, but <laughs> whew, this is actually really good. Well,
1: you know, when I you don't see me for a while, I have a lot to
0: talk about me, right? <laughs> so you're telling me I need to ignore you for another two years. Yeah, this and, is
1: me just kind of guilting you into, oh yeah, or, or I'm telling you to just avoid me for the next yeah. two years so you can just bring me on for another podcast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but before we we wrap up, you know, I want to talk about some of the things that have been, you know, going really well. You sure. mentioned a few times, like the app. Like, can you talk a little bit about like what's coming up here?
1: Yeah, so we've been building this thing for the past two years and we've been running these brunches, but we've been running them really without any large tech platform. But over the past two years, we've been building this pretty robust tech platform that will allow us to do this stuff at scale. Because what we're doing is we're kind of matching people and experiences. And in the same way, you know, TikTok, right? What makes it so sticky is if you really love cat videos, it shows you the best cat. It, it understands its users and its uh, product, and it really connects them with that algorithm. So we do a pretty similar thing. And we spent a ton of time and a ton of effort building this. And now, um, along with just fun features like, you know, group chats um, with the group that you're at in brunch. So after the brunch, you know, you have this just built in frictionless thing where you can say, Hey, I'm going to this happy hour. You don't have to ask people for their numbers. You don't have to, you know, we can, you can pay for everything right there. You have this thing on your app and it's just kind of a social life in your pocket. So if you don't know what's going on on a weekend, if you don't have people to do it with, all you need to do is just go to this thing, create an account, register for brunch, or if you've already done that, find some fun activities with the friends that you've already met, meet some new ones and it's easy. Um, and so, yeah, we've been working on it for a while. Is it a hundred percent done? Absolutely not. <laughs> There's a million things that I still want to do, but yeah, we're getting ready to launch in the next two or three weeks. Oh, amazing. And we're going to start running some really exciting brunches. We're going to start running some really exciting events like beach trips and, you know, down the line, some ski trips and camping trips. Um, you know, happy hours at the Met, everything that we can figure out that people want to do. Um, so you're not just going to that same bar with the same people telling those same stories. So I'm excited about that, man. It's been a long journey. Um, my employee, I, at some point accidentally, I guess my employees said I would drink this Corona beer when we launched and then COVID happened. So they've been saving this disgusting oh. beer, which has gradually gotten lower and lower. And I, despite numerous efforts at sabotage, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure they will make me uh, drink this beer. <laughs> so that is something I'm not looking forward to uh, about launching, but I'm really excited to kind of put the pandemic in our rear view and get back to IRL community where people can just start meeting each other. And, you know, for now, it's for mainly targeted people in their 20s and 30s, young professionals. But you know, I'd love for this thing to be for people whose kids uh, go to you know leave the nest and they're looking to meet other people because their lives have been around their kids. I, my dad got divorced at 78, I think, and he's a fun guy. He goes, he plays in a bocce league with a bunch of 20s. Oh, I love me some bocce. Stuff like that. Yeah, right. Um, but how do you know? How do older people meet new people? Right to me, yeah, it's so scary this idea that you meet your people in high school and college, and then you just coast on that. And so down the road, I would love for this to be a platform where everyone can meet their people. Um, whether you're, you know, a single mom just looking for a little bit of relief uh, from your kid, maybe hang out with some other uh, single moms in the neighborhood, right? Also. In your community, like I live in Park Slope, I would love to meet other people in Park Slope to do fun things. But what am I going to do? Go to a bar, you know, to try and meet these people? Like, there isn't really a good way to do that. You know, play sports, sure. So that's what we're looking to build. And the summer is a start, but there's a lot of fun things we want to do.
0: Yeah, better off bingo coming to a retirement better home bingo. near you. Oh
1: yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. we're all over. We'll get
0: you. Um, yo, so how can people stay up to date on like when that app is coming out? Follow yeah. you on social media, just kind of know all the things that you're doing.
1: Absolutely. So follow us on uh, our Instagram is uh, Better Off Brunching at Better and if you go to Better Off uh, we have a right now just a wait list uh, where you'll get your put in your email, you will get an invite. And when we launch, come to a brunch. It'll be a lot of fun.
0: Thank you, Chris Mitchell, for joining us on Entrepreneur Struggle. And thank you for listening. You can go to our show notes to learn more about Chris's work. Thank you to my producers, Heather Johnson and Ryan Woodhall. And until next week, stay safe and stay healthy because the struggle is real.